Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to the Dabblers Book Club. This is the podcast for people that have never read Chaucer and probably never will. I'm Curtis and over there... I'm Hadja. Hello. Hope you're all well and surviving the apocalypse. Uh, you'll be hearing this probably when we're dead, I think. I I have, yeah, when does this go out? A couple of weeks. Okay. Well, we've just been to, uh, to buy a lot of tinned food. Yeah, we're part of the problem. It was our, <laughs> it was our corner shop, it's fine. Um, no, we've had our... Holiday to Athens cancelled. My trip to Paris has been cancelled. Had lots of money lost. I mean, we shouldn't get bogged down with the coronavirus-induced apocalypse, but I am... I mean, it's quite relevant to the book that we're about to talk about. Well, in you a know, way. you and I have spoke before about how it's really weird that sometimes you read, just by chance, or maybe by if you believe in some sort of synchronicity, you read exactly the book that you should be reading at that time in your life. And sometimes that's, yeah. you know, something that's going on in your domestic situation. Um, but but actually, this is so weirdly reflective of the, um, yeah, the collapse of society that's imminent. So uh, what is the book today? Tender is the Flesh, which is by Agustina Basterica. Um, Argentinian, right? Argentinian yeah. writer. It's translated from Spanish into English. It's published by Pushkin Press. Very recent. It's probably one of the most newly published books we've um, This was reviewed. February, right? February yeah. was out, yeah. So just last month. And on the cover, we do need to talk about the cover, it is basically blood and human limbs. Um, and the tagline is, if everyone was eating human meat, would you? Uh, so it's a pretty gruesome concept. Uh, yeah, I mean you were reading it and really struggling to hold in what you were thinking because we try and read these books and save to discussing it with each other until yeah. we've hit uh, record which which we've done i finished it about 20 minutes ago <laughs> um so i'm still unpacking it in my head but good grief there is a lot to talk about there here. really this is this is a grisly grisly it, book i mean i started it, to be honest it took me a little while to get into it i sort of started reading in fits and starts i don't really know why i think it's sort of got a different emotional angle for me. It was very Fahrenheit 451, wasn't it? I did think that. It really yeah, was, in terms of the protagonist. Of the protagonist who seems kind of at odds with the world they're serving um, and their job has changed so much. You know, mm. the job they're doing is uh, not what it would have been in the sort of older times. Yeah, so I read it in fits and starts at the beginning, but once I got into it, I... It wasn't that I couldn't put it down, but I did really want to know how it went. And by the end, oh, I don't know. I, I remember I tweeted and I was like, whoa. There was just something so shocking and sudden about the end. Um, yeah, for me, it was like the shift in society. Mm. And, and I know it's all hypothetical, but there's there's a lot of these dystopians that look at, you know, 
what we'd all be behaving like with just a few circumstances changed. Yeah. We've 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 made reference before to Black Mirror, and you know there are other shows like, like the same. And this is very much one of those. So, do you think like a quick synopsis off the top of our heads to ground anybody that hasn't read it yet? Yes. So it follows the protagonist. Uh, what's his name? Marcos. Marcos yes. Tejo. Yeah, he's yeah. referred to as he. He. Yeah. For lot. the vast majority yeah. of the time, you only occasionally hear his name. Um, and he works in a slaughterhouse. So he's kind of very high up, isn't he? And it's all. He doesn't run it, does he? He's sort of. He's like the right hand man. Yeah. To the guy. That um, so he grew up slaughtering animals. And then, yes. then there was the transition mm-hmm. and uh, something to do with, well, they don't know whether it was actually to control human population or as a response to all the animals getting this virus and being um, contaminated with the virus, which meant they couldn't eat animals anymore. So they they switched to humans. And I don't really usually find books like gruesome to read. I, sort of, I like to think I can keep a bit of a separation, but I was eating strawberries when I was going through the first chapter. And oh my god, I bit into a strawberry, and there was just this red flesh of this strawberry while I was reading about what they were doing to the. Oh, oh. it was horrible. Because especially at the start, when they really yeah, depict what really goes on in the slaughterhouse. house. Yeah. Oh no, that's unfortunate timing. Special meat. Never read while. Eating. No, never eat while reading. Never eat while reading. Um, I mean, I eat while doing everything else, but this was. I'll cut that out because that sounds weird. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the. The humans that they eat in this book are raised as uh, subspecies. Yeah. They're sort of farmed and, and they have their vocal cords taken yeah. out uh, so they can't talk. And, and they seem to not have, you know, they're not like domesticated humans no. like you and I, like the protagonist um, who farm them. They are raised as drones, but nonetheless, they are human beings, yeah. uh, which is why it's so shocking because they're referred to as heads. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, all, there's another van load of heads have arrived for yeah. the slaughterhouse and... Oh, it's just so interesting. Um, and yeah, the normalisation of... Uh... You're going through it sort of reading and questioning yourself at every point. I mean, my first thought was obviously with the vegetarian angle because I've read quite a few books in the last couple of years um, that really explore slaughter and relationships with animals. Um, and also we watched Okjar as well, didn't we? And it just sort of makes you think... In fact, what they were talking about, you know how it's taking meat out the live animal and they did mm. that in this book as well didn't they where you can just take just enough so it stays alive where they keep the head brackets human yeah. alive uh, to 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 maximize the taste yeah. and not diminish the taste of meat and yeah and then and then they're cutting them off in bits that won't kill them and eating them while they're alive which yeah is, uh, which yeah was in okja uh, was yeah. the same which made me really not want to eat giant super pigs anymore no <laughs> see that's the thing I, I really get affected by that because i do have this constant moral thing of shouldn't eat meat but well um, we we haven't eaten we, meat at home really no, we, uh, we don't send to buy meat in since that which is weird, isn't it? It's yeah, obviously literally, Okja was just like, no, yeah. we'll, we're cutting down. But then my iron was too low to give blood, so... But it's weird. Yeah, you're right, though. A lot of major works of fiction and a lot of things on TV and in film are kind of peddling a very apparent and relevant um, vegetarian agenda or anti-meat agenda. Um, and what a way to do it mm. as to make, you know, make humans the things that are being farmed. Yeah, because it is, we're just one step away. It's like, well, mm. what if these were humans? It's like, oh, yeah, and we just decided they didn't have... Um, senses or rights or you know and uh, you know they would, we just decide people aren't they have no humanity mm. um, and it is weird actually because it's not a it's not a long book and no. it, it could this could be a like uh, this could be a 700 page novel it's yeah. you know it's a couple of hundred pages it would be brilliant um, for TV or film winter it really would you'd it'd be, be so surprised good. if it wasn't yeah. but I think um because it's so short your brain does a lot of the work mm-hmm. so while these humans are as we've just said they're farmed they're subhuman 
you're left to join a lot of those gaps. Yeah. And, you know, so what do they look like? How do they make them? They only once refer to the fact they haven't got vocal cords at the start. Yeah. And that, so it's up to you what that process is and when it oh, happens. Oh, yeah. You know, so ac- across it, there's um, a lot of detail left out that you join the dots on, but you know it's bleak. Mm-hmm. It's bleak. Um, but it brings you sort of back and forth morally and ethically, doesn't it? Um, and I think the protagonist is just, you know, a symbol of humans. He's humanity and microcosm he has all that range of emotional depth and staleness um i mean he's gone through that the difference between this and something like fahrenheit fahrenheit 451 is that he's gone through a personal loss he's gone through grief his son has died Mm. his wife hasn't you know has gone away and he deals with this awful sister and so you get this sense that okay this guy's struggling and you think something's going to switch in him that he, I don't know, leaves a system or something like that. And you get all this real beautiful stuff, but then he still... So he, he gets um, a human sent, a head sent to him, a female, highly prized, sort of high-end, amazing A good meat, slab of meat. A good slab yeah. of meat, but it's sent to him live, and he you know keeps it in his barn. Um, Isn't it weird that you're referring to it as I literally it. just thought yeah. that. I was like, it, her, <laughs> her, woman, <laughs> damn it. Um, yeah, and keeps this human being, female human being, in his barn, and she's just this beautiful thing to behold in a way, isn't she? She's so pure and, but st- like a puppy, like a pet. Mm. Um, in fact, they make reference to her sort of being like a domesticated animal. Yeah, well, he leaves her water and keeps yeah. her chained up so she doesn't escape and things. Yeah. And now, I think I missed this as I went over, but the idea in him being sent it is because he's in this high powered, privileged yeah. job within the meat industry. They're sending him a fantastic cut of meat for his own enjoyment, aren't they? Yeah. As in, he's going to kill it and eat it, but actually ends up keeping it have i got that right he keeps it no he's, he's meant to keep it like it's you know you eat when you want it kind of thing you do yes. what you want with it um well he then gets it pregnant yes yeah. um and you have this uh, and he names her and he he, he doesn't what does jasmine he... oh yes yes he does by the end of the book she's a human called jasmine yeah uh, and you know and... well we think that don't we and then you're just i mean we'll go straight to the end or should, okay yeah well, well let's let's build it up so he, he he names her he ends up keeping her in the house he ends up dressing her yeah. he ends up sort of teaching her some human ways obviously she can't talk she's got no vocal but like cords. domesticated animal ways isn't it more yeah. so, so she doesn't hurt herself but like he house. dances with her he puts on music oh, and yeah, dances with her yeah. uh, there's a point where well for all intents and purposes I thought, okay, so he's in love with Jasmine because um, his wife, for almost the entire book, is in some sort of hospital uh, recovering from the loss of their son. Is she in hospital? I didn't well, she's that. somewhere and he can't see her. Away. She only a- appears in the book until the end. I got that yeah. they were separated or she needed Yeah, time so she only just video calls him time to time. Meanwhile, he's in the house having a relationship with this head that he names Jasmine and, like you say, treats like a domesticated pet. And, and it does get quite gripping, doesn't it? Because you're like, oh, I wonder... You know, who's going to be found out? What's going to happen to him? What's going to happen? Do they run away together? You have all mm. these sort of ways that it can go. Oh gosh, and it gets to this awful part, wasn't it, where they're hunting? So, a way of, oh, all oh, there's so many grim parts in here. So, rock stars and people who have got into debt and all this kind of thing, they have an opportunity to wipe all their debts out by going to what, like a hunter's reserve kind of thing. And if mm. they're not caught after five days, they can be let free without paying their debts. Or they are obviously mm. caught and killed and eaten. And they're eating this rock star, aren't they? Did you have a rock star in your head when you... I was thinking like Bon Jovi or something. I didn't have a specific no, one, I know, I know I, what I, you mean. Who is it? Was it? Is it Keith Urban? Okay. No, I think I had him in my head. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, the image I had in my head was something along those lines. Yeah. Um, 
there's actually a couple of films that really that, that use that model. Um, one is Hostel, mm-hmm. which I think there's like Hostel 2, Hostel 3, but that's based around the idea that rich people pay to, you know, they pay people on the black market to kill people and right. these people have just been kidnapped because no one will miss them and Curtis then, shock me if you can niece watch yeah. with all his and then the, and then the film The Purge I can't remember if this is in The Purge 1 or The Purge 2 but they um, they have like a hunting ground for rich people and rich people pay um, to yeah on the night of The Purge to, to yeah to hunt they yeah. like set up this hunting ground they hunt them hunt other humans um, so it is a technique I've heard used before um, and I found that very familiar when I was on that chapter um, but yeah because they're eating the rock star aren't they and they're discussing the parts of his body and things, and, and then he he has these tender moments, doesn't he? Where he finds these puppies. Yeah, and but he then, keeps going back to oh, the zoo. The zoo, yes, because that reminds me of his childhood with his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously there are no animals in the zoo anymore. But then there are some puppies there which he finds, and they get the one thing that got me a little bit was I felt the description of that bit was a little bit. I wasn't quite clear on the physical space. Were you? Were he you was okay? in the zoo. He, he, he... But you know when they were sort of under something, in something, I didn't quite know what that... I thought they were in like a barn, but I, right. that's where okay, I got... I couldn't really so, visualise it. So it was interesting, the zoo, because while it's quite a fast-paced novel, that was one of the constants that he kept revisiting. It's an abandoned zoo, and I guess it was a device to remind the reader that... Um, animals are, are wiped out or mm-hmm. were forced, yeah. you know, forcibly wiped out because they had this virus. And he goes and he finds these puppies and they remind him of his own dogs mm-hmm. and he cares for them and stuff. And but, then... Yeah, but it's another way of showing his sort of emotional... Humanity. Humanity, yeah. 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 Um, That's otherwise absent. But yeah, and then we return to those and they're being sort of killed by these... Some like teenagers youths. are fucking with them, yeah. yeah. Um, and and one of the dogs bites one of the teenagers. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you've got the virus now, man. Yeah. And he's like, no, that's just a government conspiracy, yeah. which is literally what's happening outside right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my except word. we're carrying it, not uh, animals. Definitely got a case of the coronas here. Um, that's a joke and a lie. Um, <laughs> his dad, you mentioned there. Oh, yes, yeah, so his, his dad. dad's an interesting one. So his daddy's in the care home. And again... <laughs> It's hard to know when characters are there to give you a sense of the protagonist's uh, life or whether they serve, char- like they have characters in their own right. So this, this felt like a very isolated novel. It wasn't mm. like this full picture of all these people in this world. It was, it was very much just him. But I didn't get a sense of the father's personality in any way. It, was, it no. felt for me like it was, think of, these are all the things this man is going through right now. He's got this... Horrible sister who will probably come back to um, his estranged wife, his dead son, his father. Did he go into his mother? Did you talk about his mother, his late mother? No, just that his father and mother were very much in love, weren't they? There's a scene where he remembers watching his father and mother dance, yes. But I think what you're saying is right. And until his father dies, there's a chapter towards the end, and you see how affected he is by it, which Mm. is a very touching chapter, sort of away from all the meatpacking. Actually, that's one area that was left fairly unscratched. Mm -hmm. Um, There's obviously a legacy there with his father, and yeah, his father dies and he's very upset. And he's, and he's well. You get the sense he's working in this plant, sorry, to um, to support his father, isn't it? That's mm. that's why he needs to pay for his father's care home. Yes, not in a plant in the in the slaughterhouse. So again, you're made to feel as a reader. Oh, he's just doing what he has to do. Mm. Sorry, carry on. I interrupted. No, no, that's <laughs> that's it. Really, it, I think one thing we could say, or I would say, for this novel is while. Because we're talking about it very intensely, but conceptually, mm. I loved this book. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. There were a few bits that were 
a little bit unscratched for me. And maybe that served the purpose because I appreciate a quick read like this, mm-hmm. but maybe would have liked a little bit more color on the father. Yeah. Um, also, the sister, like we keep saying, she was a horrible sister. She never painted that much of a picture as to what the resentment was. Mm-hmm. You just get that the sister is a victim of this cold world. Well, that's why in like it's a very similar to Fahrenheit 451 to me. It's just this is the situation. Yes. You don't need to know why. And it's all a device. It's, it's all serving the concept mm. more than anything else like you need the story so you can discuss this dystopian world and what would you do and and also the reality is we would all go along with it i think i don't know we like to think we talk about principles after the event right but during it now everyone goes along because mm. governments know what they need to say to get you on side and we all are survivalists we all need to survive and if you, you know, it's eat or be eaten yep. in the very realist sense yep. in this book. Um, no, I think, you know, society moves where it needs to. And in a, in a survivalist world, this that could totally happen. And it, yeah, and it has happened. People do, you know, spilt tea all over myself um, again for the second time today. I got it in my hair about a uh, half an hour ago. Um, yeah, people do what they need to survive and they tell themselves the lies they need to hear to carry on with as little disruption as possible to their own lives. And it was, yeah, it's just a very, very real book for me in that every other page you're going, would I do this? What's this like? Mm. You know, what do I think of this ethically? Um, And they're not in kind of this government-controlled world in the same way. You know, it's not like they're being policed in the same way. You know, vegetarians are kind of looked down on. If you don't eat special meat, it's like there's something wrong with you. Mm. I don't think it's punished or anything, is it? No. Yeah, again, that's that's one of the things they the story leaves you yeah. to connect in your own head. They don't really detail that. You just, through his work and through his business trips where he visits butchers and suppliers and Oh, things, and some of them are just awful, aren't they? They're just all cold as hell. But then you go, well, what if we, and this is just hypothetical, what if we visited an abattoir and the people who actually do the killing of animals in this world we live in now, maybe that would be a bit shocking because I think I'd struggle to kill an animal. Yeah. Do you remember when we had a mouse in the house and I really didn't want to kill it? Oh, and got, it got away in the end. But... <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even do that. <laughs> Couldn't even kill a mouse. <laughs> um, I liked that exploration of like just, you know, that man with the nails and they always have to have the, you know, the mm. fingernails and you don't, there's all these sort of horrible stories and ideas about what he does and, um, and, the sickness that underpins it, like actually it is a load of perverse, twisted minds that are enjoying the the sadistic aspect to it all. Mm. So it's not just a government ploy to keep the population down. It's actually some fucking perverts right at the top. It did make me think about animals and, yeah, just what we do to them because we're told it's all okay. And it, yeah. actually that carnage, um, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen Carnage, the Simon Amstel documentary, mockumentary right. called Carnage. Uh, imagining a world where a future where people look at what we did to animals in the same way we look at you know genocides or that kind of thing and people are just horrified and they're sort of going well that was just what you did then and Mm. we didn't know what we know now about animals that they're like us and we Mm. can communicate with them and all that kind of thing Uh, yeah it reminded me of um a jm is it curtsy 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 book that i read for my master's actually on a uh, we were doing sort of vegetarian contemporary issue and it's it's about a character elizabeth costello giving a lecture on vegetarianism and she's very sort of you know believes that animals are kind of just like us and we just don't communicate with them with the way Mm. we should Mm. and we haven't learnt um yeah that they're kind of like us no absolutely and i think 
Well, actually, a, so a friend of ours, Andy, who mm-hmm. still hasn't listened to this podcast, so he doesn't need a shout out. <laughs> but um, he he he's gone vegetarian in recent years, and he fully believes that um, at some point in our lifetime, in our generation's lifetime, um, we're going to be saying, "God, can you what believe people used to eat meat yeah. like when we were in our twenties, thirties?" And his other prediction is uh, cigarettes. We're going to yeah. go, God, can you believe people used to smoke cigarettes? I'm actually not sure if I believe that one as much yeah. in times like I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. These were all I want right now is a cigarette yeah. <laughs> because of all the worry and you know, going on around this madness outside. But um, yeah, the, the vegetarian thing. It's not a big step. From... No, and the propaganda is building with with art yeah. like this. It's not a big step from, you know, when we talk about oh a, a nice juicy steak to the characters in this book and the way they talk mm. about human flesh. It's like why is that any different? Really, it's still yeah. this love of yeah. Because I think a, a lot of us, and, I, and I'm conscious of this, you know, episode turning really um, moralist on <laughs> on this thing, which I'd like to stay quite neutral on because I think I am in general, but. It, like the other weekend, we went to that restaurant in Covent Garden, mm. and, and and I had that massive oh, steak, nice and steak. it was phenomenal. <laughs> it was had good... you have shown me the cow first, <laughs> I you know I think I would be there Give going him a name. Yeah, but, mind but... you, I say that, and I've eaten sheep that my mum reared, and uh... did she did she not like number them though? She th- numbered some of them, but she named others. Yeah, um... I, th- I think when I was around, one of the first times I met your mum, she she served me up some lamb and said, "Oh, this is this is seventy <laughs> three." <73." laughs> Bless. So, but in the same breath, um, every summer for years and years of my life, me and my uncle, my granddad, and my cousins go fishing in Wales, mm. bring back a massive boat full of mackerel, and within an hour, we're you know, yeah. and we're hitting them on the head as, yeah. as as they come into the boat, and within an hour, we're we're back and we're barbecuing yeah. them, and yeah. they we're eating them, and they look like dead. Well, they are dead fish on the plate, and they're absolutely gorgeous to eat. Um, and it's weird because there is then the argument that fish are not the same, but they're still living things. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's a real weird thing. We're just raised eating animals, and maybe a generation very soon, like, are going to be raised where that's not the norm. Yeah, and it's either a faux pas or it's a big decision you have to make. I don't yeah. know. It's crazy. So back to this book. Should we go to the ending? We have to talk about the ending. Oh, I mean, throughout it, you get this sense that he. I mean, obviously, he rapes the woman. He rapes his Jasmine. Uh, rapes Jasmine, um, but you're and he rapes another woman. Oh, actually, there is another weird sex slash rape scene. It's not clear to me whether she is consenting to this or not. Or was that a dream? There's so actually that's a side point, but yeah. there's a couple of dream sequences in this book I could have done without. Was that a dream? I, I think they didn't add anything. There was an actual sequence where there's a, a female character and she's a butcher who only turns up early on. Yeah, and she rapes him is the impression I get. But like no. you say, it's no, no, no. They have sex on the her butcher's yeah. Table but I thing. thought he turns up and he's grabbing her and he's really and he's looking at someone else through the window when he's doing it. 
Yes, yeah, I do remember that, but it says a lot for that scene that we've both read it really recently and, and we neither have no can idea quite have clarity happened. on anyway, it. Anyway, uh, yeah, enjoy that scene. Um, the end. The end. Um, uh, so, he... Jasmine has the baby. Um, and when she goes into labour... So he managed to avoid these inspections because they're meant to have inspectors coming around to check that they're looking after... Um, their uh, heads properly and he managed to get around this when she's pregnant by making a couple of calls to people he knows and he then knows that that inspector is kind of on his case Um, Mm. but she goes into labour and he calls his ex-wife who or his wife um, who is a nurse and comes and basically helps deliver the baby and you get the sense of some sort of humanity because she's sort of saying, oh, you know, you're doing really well, honey, kind of thing. She's being very soothing to mm. Jasmine. And they have the baby and they're both kind of, you know, you can clearly see how it's this, the grief the grief has led him to there because he's very excited about having his own baby again. Mm. And, and it's a human to him. It's not a head, this baby. And they have the baby and you get the sense of, okay, they're going to raise this child, him and his wife. And you think, what about Jasmine? And what about Jasmine? Well, Jasmine is laying on the bed, reaching out her arms for the baby she's just given birth to. And suddenly he's he's with um, him and his wife are going, this baby's ours. Mm. We love it. Ignoring her there. Yeah. Um, and Jasmine's reaching out, reaching out, confused by what's going on. You as a reader are confused because for all intents and purposes, it seemed like him and Jasmine were having this baby and he was yeah. indifferent to his wife. But suddenly him and his wife are united, loving this baby. Jasmine's reaching out and he clubs Jasmine over the head yeah. and kills and her. takes her to the slaughterhouse to... I actually think that those top couple of paragraphs, I'm going to give them to you to read because every time I read a passage, it just sounds ridiculous, <laughs> like someone that's still at school. Uh, but this, this, this has got me. So this is the last page. Jasmine is only able to stretch out her arms desperately towards her son. She tries to get up again, but is cut by the pieces of glass from the broken lamp. He sits down behind Jasmine. She looks back at him in despair. First, he puts his arms around her and kisses the mark on her forehead. He tries to calm her down. Then he gets onto his knees on the floor and says, Easy does it. Everything's going to be just fine. Take it easy. With a wet rag, he wipes the sweat from her forehead. He sings summertime into her ear. When she calms down a little, he stands up and grabs her by the hair. Jasmine is only able to move her hands, is trying to reach her son. She wants to speak, to scream, but there are no sounds. He picks up the club he brought from the kitchen and hits her on the forehead, right where she's been branded. Jasmine falls to the floor, stunned, unconscious. Cecilia jumps when she hears the thud and looks at him without understanding. Why, she yells, she could have given us more children. As he drags the body of the female to the barn to slaughter it, he says to Cecilia, his voice radiant, so pure it wounds. She had the human look of a domesticated animal. Good grief. And it just... That's the end. And everything you thought you kind of knew about him, believed about him in some way. Um, I mean, to me, like the fact that he rapes her anyway and doesn't see that she's a human being is kind of enough. Um, Mm. But, you know, we say rape in the sense that at the time, in that thing, it's you're enjoying, you're not allowed, it's illegal to enjoy your heads. Mm. Um... And then you sort of wonder how calculated was it all? Um, yeah, didn't see it coming. Yeah, really did not see that coming. Uh, uh, the fact that she got that, that Cecilia goes, she could have given us more children as well. It then mm. goes into that sort of Handmaid's Tale ter- territory where mm. it's, you know, oh gosh, yeah, uh, women are just vessels and what they're and how women are complicit in it as well. 
And it just says a lot about the coldness of, of the world yeah. uh, that this book is set in, that that Cecilia, this wife who's just kind of been annoying and estranged on the phone the whole time, comes home and he's like, I need, and just before we get to the passage you read, he's like, I need you not to be mad. Mm. I need you to go up there and be the nurse that you are. Yeah. And she goes up and she says a few, she's initially pissed off. She's going, you had sex with the head? Yeah. What on earth? Like, you, sh- you can get killed for that. And yeah, But board. then she quickly becomes a nurse. She becomes, like you just said, uh, empathetic or sympathetic. Yeah, she seems, she seems mm. like she's nurturing and caring for, yeah. for Jasmine. And then it's like, oh no. They're both in on this. They're they've both got, fine with they've this. They've got the baby they wanted. And it's when Jasmine's reaching her arms out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. And they're both God. fine with this lack of humanity that mm. she has. It doesn't. And it, yeah. Oh, it's really um, quite a traumatizing. It's a yeah, because it was that, those last few pages, I was really like, okay, what happens? What happens? What happens? I was, I was really hooked. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not a book that kind of connected with me emotionally. Again, it's like a conceptual one for me. You're sort of wondering. It, you know, it makes you ask questions about the world and the future and mm. um, who we are as humans and, and how much power we have on an individual level and are personal morals enough if the world is kind of against you? I mean, that's a constant thing that everyone, I guess, has running through their minds, mm. uh, whether it's climate change or diet or whatever. It's like, oh, what's the difference? What's the point? And also, well, if the rest of the world is doing it, is it okay? You know, I mean, that's the central question. If everyone was eating human meat, would you... Um, and the thing is, if we were born into the world that did it, I'm pretty sure we would. If you grew, grew <laughs> if up... If your parents yeah, give you human meat on a plate because they've been yeah. told it's normal, if you just... Well, it's a bit like there was a time when not one person who grew up in England, everybody was God-fearing and Stone Cold was a Christian. Yeah, to a degree, yeah. yeah. And, and now there is a lot of that, but also a lot of people, like I was raised kind of, with, yeah. I say without religion, we did prayers at school, but yeah. largely it was not any drilled down your throat that... Absolutely, God is real, and it was just a you know, it's a conversation you you come into as you get older. Um, is that a really poor um, comparison? No, no, no. You're right. Well, it's, it's just the all these. Well, it's all this stuff. Yeah, if you're born into the world, you believe it. You go through a, a stage of questioning and stuff. You know, like I was brought up with a certain religion, and everything, and things changed. But something like what you eat, which is such a big habit as well, and it's part of you. You know, it changes your body if you do or don't eat something. Mm. Um, that if you are used to eating human meat, how would you just then give it up? If that's mm. and if your body's evolved, because you know, I heard stuff that you just get diseases and stuff, but they've clearly like sophist- made sophisticated um, rearing and slaughter practices to, yeah. Oh, I would love to hear a, like a scientific take on this book, mm. and I know it's, of course, it's not supposed to be scientifically Africa, yeah. um, a, a, a accurate. I mean, she's done a lot of research. Um, obviously, she sort of knows a lot of what you know. She knows what she's talking about. Yes. With it, but. Yeah, the the biology in it is quite um, quite curious, mm. um, but yeah, I just love to know what you know the real world implications of it would be. But like I say, it's such it's weird. It's such an outrageous reality, but at the same time, not not crazy, not around. You know, well, the idea is that we already have loads of crazy, stupid things we do. Mm. Like, I mean, we fly in aeroplanes that mm. pollute the planet. We eat ridiculous amounts of beef that ruins. Mm. You know, that we don't need in our diets to that mm. degree. and that We poison ourselves with alcohol. Yeah, all of this stupid stuff we do. Oh, well, I've always done it. Okay, well, that's that's mm. a good enough reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I do think this is going to be probably a bit of a short and sweet one, this um, podcast, because we don't have any one-star reviews. What? <laughs> we looked on Amazon and uh, there are none. I mean, it's partly because it's a new book. Um, we should probably talk about it. It's, yeah, it's, it's translated from Spanish into English. It uh, makes me wish I was bilingual so I could 
judge the translation. Yeah. Um, people have different opinions on this and whether you should translate every word or whether you should leave in a few of the Spanish words. And mm. I think leaving in some of the Spanish words would even be better because you've got all these Latin American names, yet they're saying, oh, yeah, mate. And that sort of, there were some things that, and love and mate, yeah. and there were some words that jarred just a little bit. Because how's that going to go down with an American audience who obviously know what mate means and know mm. it's a thing that we say as English people, but at the same time, it's not going to read very naturally to them, especially given that this book has no geography. At no point yeah. does it tell you what country you're in. You're kind of just either in the city or out of the city. Yeah. Which is fine and makes it sort of a good global book, I suppose. Mm. And it's, but. When you read it, but you do want to, you want to know where you are. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't yes. matter if you're in England reading about, you know, you'd have thought it's an Argentina, but. Um, I mean, I suppose quite... you can assume it is, but look, there's nothing in the text that, that gives that away. No, and I think you would quite like that. I don't, I don't know, actually, because yeah. it's a concept book, isn't it? Yes. So it doesn't need the place and the geography and it, that sense of It doesn't, of, I just oh, like all that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I spoke over um, you. But because, no, 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 because, but because you've got all the names and stuff and. Yeah, there was something a little bit jarring. You know, we don't know whether they use the word mate or not. It just felt a bit English, didn't it? And maybe it's maybe it's not English. Um, maybe it is mm. just the direct translation. But there was something... I think there were definite parts where they could have just kept it in the Spanish. I agree. Do you know what book's really good for that is The Book Thief, uh, which mm. is set in Germany? Um and there's just a lot of German littered throughout. Yeah. And obviously a lot of English people study German at school, so we'll know the basics. But at the same time, you wouldn't need to. Yeah, you don't need to. You you know, just, it gives you a sense of the language. Just where you talking. are and the culture. And... But other than that, yeah, it really kind of blew me away, actually, the ending. I think this book, I would really recommend it to people. Yeah. I say you've got to read it. Yeah. And it's weird because we've been on a run lately, a real run of reading mm. books we both really enjoyed. Yeah. We started the Testaments where we disagreed and then we did Fahrenheit where we disagreed and obviously Bukowski where we disagreed. <laughs> but lately we've had Crawdads yeah. and I've forgotten all the rest. What did we do before that? We had Fleischmann, Crawdads. We did the Nunez book. Uh, yeah, just these yeah. powerful works of modern, contemporary, recently released fiction that we both loved. And it's weird because with this one we both... Loved is a is a weird word. It's, weird. it's a powerful we book, compelled. isn't it? We were right. Yeah, it yeah. feels like a very important book. I think it's brilliant. Yes, as a work of literature, it's not what I look for in a book in terms of a journey with the character. Although, mm -hmm. but it did get me the set the second half. The second half really got me. I felt more like I was following him at the mm. beginning. It was a bit. This, this is, is the weirdly, world we're in, kind of thing. This is the sort of book I like reading. Yeah, no, I know. I thought as soon as I picked up, I was like, "You have to read this." Mm. So, I mean, how do we score this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like a book I would say you have to read, but yes. it's not my favorite type of book. No, I, I, I could think of a lot of people I would recommend. Yeah, this to. yeah, loads, absolutely. I, if you can stomach it, like do like absolutely do not read this book while you're eating it's like that's my warning it's a health <laughs> warning do not do it yeah the, the, actually that's one thing we didn't touch on is just the language is uh, so yeah. fleshy and, uh, and flayed uh, yeah and then and even and in that way that horror movies have red balloons because the the red is symbolic of mm. blood there's a lot of that there's just mm. a lot of... i never got that <laughs> from oh, it even... no i got it now <laughs> I, I was thinking about this you know it was a really shit film wasn't it yeah it wasn't the best um but it's quite funny, actually. Sorry, it did make me laugh. The, the Spotify advert of uh, it was played accidentally on a children's nursery rhyme um, playlist. I think that's just disturbing. It is traumatising. That's horrible. That's it's... not even funny as a mistake. That's someone's job to... 
It's funny. It's not funny. <laughs> it would have traumatized me as a kid. Yeah, the, it traumatized me now, to be honest. Kids, and it was not a good film, and it still scared me. I had bad film. dreams. And I like Stephen King, but that film was yeah. so bad. Anyway, um, sorry. Those poor kids. I'm um, a horrible person. Well, Fine. I'm a, I laugh at horrible things, but that's actually horrible. <laughs> um, yeah, no, linguistically. So, like, I'm just I've just opened the first page. He goes to the refrigerator and pours himself cold water. He drinks it slowly. His brain warns him that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. it's all even the bits that aren't graphic find a way to be graphic. Yeah. Uh, it's very cold, very yes. metallic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's good. Quite doomy. Mm-hmm. And like you say, would translate really well to film or film. TV. Or yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I almost hope it doesn't because I like these books that just say these weird things within themselves. What's but... a brain, though? She's just. Incredible. This, yeah. is, this is her second novel. Mm-hmm. We should find out what the first one is and consider yeah, she's giving it a read. done a lot of short stories, hasn't she? Mm. And it says on the, the back spiel there. Um, very prominent in the literary scene in Buenos Aires yeah. and, and sort of curates events and things. So, we, you know, we must look her up. <laughs> yeah, we will. It did make me laugh when I told my mum I'd just read Tender is the Flesh. She's like, oh, is that the F. Scott Fitzgerald? I was like, nope. <laughs> Tender is the night. <laughs> Bless my mum. I need to stop making fun of her on this. So, right, we do need to uh, give this a score. Yes. I'm going to go in high go from on. my port. I, I'm, I'm uh, Eight. Eight. I give a lot of eights out, actually. Yeah. But it's one of those where this does not sit, you know, with my ultimate, absolute all-time favourites. But this is such a killer book yeah, that I think people will get a real kick out of reading. I would say it's a solid eight, a fantastic book. What would you say? I would, yeah, I'd be like 7.5. It's funny when you have like two two scores in your head. It's like, for me personally, it's probably like a six. Mm. But as a book and how I respect it, it's like, oh, it's probably like a nine, mm-hmm. 9.5. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, what book, and I think I can I can digress and you can cut this out if you wish, yeah. but it's only because we're on a shorter pod for some reason today. No people, reviews to No make reviews. No people are angry on Amazon about this yet, yeah. but my God, they will be. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We've read it too quickly. What book would you give a 10 or a nine that you've read? don't know i read a book and go oh my god that was amazing and powerful and i've forgotten it um you know a month later hmm. uh what about you tell me and i could I... reel off loads that i think yeah. are nine or ten. <laughs> okay just off the very very top of my head the old curiosity shop by charles dickens a clergyman's daughter by george orwell mm-hmm. the war of the worlds by hg wells yeah, all the classics can you see a pattern emerging yeah, yeah. Uh, fiesta by ernest hemingway no, I changed my mind. Um, a Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. Uh-huh. Lucky Jim by Kingsley Amis. I'm so sorry they're all men. <laughs> <That's> right, <laughs> we haven't I'm... had a lot of men boo on this podcast. I think. I've read so many bloody good books in the last two years and I can't, I mean, it's a funny thing because something will make me cry. It will be really powerful for me, but there'll still be something. No, I don't think I've ever read a book that's blown me away mm. from start to finish. Oh, well, I hope we find that on this But I think I'm just one pod. of those characters that can't be blown away <laughs> by mm. things. I like can really connect. I can cry about it, but I'll always, there'll always be a part of my brain going, yeah, but this isn't quite right because um, I'm an idiot. Well, it's because you've got an editor's brain, which I always tell you. And you're very, a very negative person. Well, no, you're, just, you're very good editorially. Whenever I write anything, I, I, your edits are just mind-blowingly insightful. You know? That's very nice of you. That's because you fancy me. No one else would say that. Yeah, I have to say it, don't worry. <laughs> no, not at all. I stand by what I say. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll find one that hits nine or ten. Um, I hope so. But, I mean, we are reading some really great books on this podcast, and I, I think we're going to read another great book for the next episode. Yeah. What have we got lined up? Curtis's Choice, we have got The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which I am going to have a bash through. It's all very dystopian at the moment, isn't it? And all end of the world, and apocalyptic. It's we watched what we were a quiet place one. last night, didn't we? The yeah. Emily Blunt and that was the end of the world too. Jim from the Office, what? Yeah. John Krasinski. Yeah, it's a weird one, but you know, it's all it's all relevant 
to... Right now, the world is falling apart. So hopefully, <laughs> if nothing else, you're in quarantine or self-isolation or whatever, listening to podcasts. Sorry that we're not doing cheerier books. <laughs> yeah, we are going to do The Road, which is... Um, I don't know when it was out, but that, that's not a book that's come out this year or last year. That's been out a while. About that's got a years, film made yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to reread it to refresh. What, what, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, something like that. Well, we're basically giving, I think, a solid eight. To... Let's go 7.75. No, let's go eight. All right, eight. eight, 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 eight. You've got my one that's eight out of ten. Eight out of ten, yes. Read Tender is the Flesh, albeit out of a very morbid curiosity. It's not a comfortable read, but it is a powerful read. Brilliant. Right. We have given Tender is the Flesh eight out of ten. It's by Agustina Basterica, the Argentinian novelist. Next time we'll be reading The Road by Cormac McCarthy. We hope you'll read it too and join us uh, for the Dabblers Book Club, as ever, please email us, Hadjah or Curtis, at dabblersbookclub.com or head to our website, dabblersbookclub.com, for information on all the books we've been discussing and have got lined up. Uh, also, please tweet us. We tweet are, us, please. Tweet us, tweet us, at Dabblers Books. Subscribe on Apple, follow on Spotify, and please leave us a review if you enjoy what you're listening to. If you don't enjoy it, just don't tell us. Or send us a nice, quiet, private message. That would be much appreciated. My, my final little request is uh, please recommend us books. Yes. Um, we've now got a, f- a few friends listening, some in the literary scene, some not, but they are keen readers. I want to get them down here in the alcove reading with us. Um, but it's remarkably hard to get three people to read a book. <laughs> and then all in the same place yeah. um, but we are open to recommendations tell us what we should read please right gonna make some dinner use up all those tins of beans that you just bought thanks very much we will see you next time bye bye <laughs>